Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game, and occasionally a 7800 game, and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 208. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. I have survived Stormageddon. Yep, where I live, it's a Sunday, and it might be a Sunday where you live too, I don't know, but it's a Sunday where I live right now, and over the weekend, my area of the world was supposed to get Storm Apocalypse 2020. Okay, they didn't quite make it sound that bad, but Friday night was supposed to be some sort of icy rain kind of crap, and then Saturday at some point was supposed to start snowing and be a big, oh my god, it's a blizzard, we're all gonna die! So Friday night, we were at the grocery store, because that's how we roll, and uh, it was pretty busy. Saturday, I hunkered down at home with my new Harmony cart, uh, more on that in a minute, and uh, cleaning the office, that kind of thing, eating blueberry pie, because my daughter felt like, oh, I'm home, and it's snowy out, so I'm going to make a blueberry pie. And who am I, as a good dad, to argue with my kid if she's like, I want to make a blueberry pie? So I didn't, and it was awesome. Uh, But anyway, getting back to the weather. So it was supposed to be this big blizzard. Now, Friday night, it did kind of rain. It it actually rained a lot Friday night, but it was pretty warm, relatively. So it didn't really start freezing until late at night, but it didn't even freeze all that much. So Saturday morning, while I have no doubt that it was icy and unpleasant out on the highway, that didn't bother me because I wasn't on the highway. And it did kind of start to snow during the day, but it was kind of a light snow, and it was actually kind of pretty, if you're into that sort of thing. Oh, I forgot to play Valley Winter Song. Now, uh, some of you are going to roll your eyes because like, oh, fountains of Wayne, blah, blah, blah. And and I get it. But whenever it snows, I like to play Valley Winter Song. And I forgot to do it yesterday. I'm so ashamed. I've had a lot of coffee this morning, so I'm a little scattered. But the point is, before I lose the point again, waking up Sunday morning, all we really had was like a couple of inches of snow. No blizzard, no whiteout, nothing. So while it's tempting to jump on the bandwagon and say, oh, weatherman, oh, What other job can you get that you can be wrong all the time and keep your job? I don't think weather is an exact science. I think it's kind of like, you know, following trends and predicting patterns and things. And let's face it, without getting into the whole climate change thing, weather is getting pretty weird as the years go by. And I got to guess it's harder to predict. But point is, I'm happy because I didn't have a blizzard's worth of snow to shovel this morning. I just had a couple of inches of snow to cover uh, shovel this morning. So... Really, I'm not complaining. Just an observation. Let's see. I threw out a whole bunch of other things in that little discussion. Uh, Let's see. I wasn't taking notes about my randomness. The Harmony cartridge. Yeah. So I finally broke down and bought a Harmony Encore cartridge. I've held out for a while because, you know, my whole I only got to use original hardware thing. And I still do intend to do that. Uh, Still getting cartridges and all that thing and all that stuff. But it just seemed like having a Harmony cart would be so darn convenient. So I got it. I played it a little bit. I am not the most tech-savvy person in the world. I get that the Harmony Cart, as far as using it, is not the most complicated technology ever. But I'm still playing with it, figuring it out. I loaded a game called Alligator People on there. Uh, it looks weird. Um, I got another one called... Uh, what was it called? Oh, I did. well, I did load several of the Bachelor Party games on there just because I want to see what they are don't know if I'll do them on the podcast or not. I suspect I probably will. What else? I don't have the uh, directory in front of me. I got a couple other ones. Just sort of grabbing things here and there. Oh, this title looks weird. I'll get that. 
So I suspect at some point in these episodes I'll be telling you that today's game is brought to you by the Harmony card. Here's one question I have. So you put the Harmony card in, you, the directory comes up, you pick a game, you play the game. How do you get back to the directory without turning the console on and off? I have yet to be able to figure out how to do that. Maybe there's a trick to it, maybe there's not. It's not a big deal, but it's a little bit of a hassle. So I'm still figuring that stuff out. What else? I don't know. Maybe this guy's been up to something. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship, or else he'll go splat. He's mad, Mac Hughes. Mad, Mac Hughes. Uh, no, actually, it turns out this guy hasn't been up to anything. Nothing new on social media that I could see. A quick Google search because, as you know, I do half-assed research on this show, reveals nothing. Maybe he's taking an extended break over the winter? The Flat Earth Community Rocket Launch on GoFundMe is sitting at $8,496. They have, as I've mentioned every week now, they've far exceeded their goal of seventy-eight seventy-five. So not a whole lot to report this week from the Mad Mike camp. I wonder if, like, one day we're just going to open the newspaper. Kids, go ask your parents. And we're going to see that Mad Mike has landed right there on that ice shelf, that that ring of ice around the edge of the flat earth, and, you know, taking a, a 360 degree, you know, GoPro video thing, and, and CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and all the major networks are showing this thing. They're actually not talking about Trump's impeachment or Iran for a while. And, oh my God, it turns out the earth is flat. Perhaps one day. Maybe if that happens, if that happens, I'll do a special episode of Atari Bytes, and that'll be the real news. We can only hope. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship, or else he'll go splat. He's mad, Mac Hughes. Mad, Mac Hughes. No news this week. Other than I had blueberry pie yesterday. That was pretty yummy. Gonna have some more today. I might be eating blueberry pie right now. You'd never know. And now you all want blueberry pie too. You're welcome. Doctor Who Night, episode 3 of series 12. Tonight, Spyfall part 1 and 2 were awesome. Uh, If you're a Doctor Who fan, it felt more like sort of exciting Doctor Who than it has for a while. Uh, I like this cast. I like uh, like the writing this year so far. Feeling good about Doctor Who. If you guys have any thoughts about Doctor Who, feel free to send those in because I like that show. So I might actually bore the rest of you by sharing some of that on this show or on the show, you know, in the future. All right, let's get into this week's game. Hey, what's that noise? That's right. This week we're jumping into the future with an Atari 7800 game. This week's game is... Thank you. 
centipede from Atari. It could change your life. Help! Somebody call an exterminator! Centipede for the Atari 7800. I don't actually know offhand when it was ported to the 7800. Let's say the 1980s sometime. That's a pretty good bet. I think maybe it, I mean, it was an 81 arcade game. Fixed shooter arcade game produced by Atari in June of 81, designed by Dona Bailey and Ed Logg. One of the most commercially successful games from the video arcade's golden age. I'm getting that all off the top of my head. Not from Wikipedia at all, honest. Alright, well that's what I thought. Uh, Wikipedia says 1987 was the arcade port. It was the Atari 7800 port. You all were probably screaming at your, at your podcast players. You probably all knew that. Centipede, for the few of you out there who don't know what Centipede is, uh, it's a classic. It's iconic. It's probably right up there. Maybe not at the top with like Space Invaders. But it's pretty up there in terms of iconic status for arcade games. Well, and Atari games like uh, Donkey Kong, Frogger, Space Invaders. Uh, and I'd argue that Centipede's right up there too. The manual tells us, you know, horning in on my bit, they give us a, a mini story. You're trapped in the perilous enchanted forest. Dark, dangerous mushrooms. <laughs> Push up through the squishy forest floor. I think we've all had dangerous mushrooms. But anyway, push up through the squishy forest floor, snarling you on every side. Threatening thumps and evil buzzings fill the air. Something slimy flashes through the mushrooms, moving in on you. Suddenly, glaring eyes and quivering antennae jump out right at you. It's the centipede, and it's attacking. You grab a stick and jab it at the evil eyes. To your surprise, sparks blast from the magic stick, turning the centipede's head into a mushroom. But instantly, another head grows back. You jab and jab again, destroying the centipede before its diminishing body can grow new heads. But worse perils lurk in the forest. Other fiercer centipedes, deadly spiders, venomous fleas, poisonous scorpions. You pick up two more sticks. With these magic wands, you might stay alive. Are they really magic wands? Or are you just telling yourself they're magic wands? That's my question. How many people have sticks in their yard that just happen to be magic wands? Uh, Alright, in fairness, he's this dude's in an enchanted forest. So I'm guessing there's a pretty good probability that sticks in an enchanted forest are going to be magic wands. If I go into my yard right now, I'm just going to find dog poop. Could be magic dog poop, I don't know. So you start by inserting the centipede cartridge into your Atari 7800 Pro system. As explained in your owner's manual, if you're confused. Plug in the controller. I was using my, I think it's a Genesis controller hooked to an Ed Ladin uh, adapter thingy. Thanks, Ed Ladin. You start the game with three magic wands. You use these to spark the enemy and score points. I think, to be uh, to be clear, I know, I think in the field report I mentioned, uh, I reference this as a laser. For the moment, I forgot it was a sparking magic wand. Do not at me on Twitter. I realize I made a mistake. I have to pause for a moment because apparently my dog really, really needed her ear scratched. So I'm taking care of that. All right. If the enemy bites you, you become temporarily paralyzed and lose a wand. Plan your strategy and think fast to avoid the paralyzing insect bites. The centipede attacks in 12 distinct waves. In wave 1, it has a head attached to 11 body segments. In wave 2, it has a head attached to 10 segments plus a detached head. That'd be handy. The centipede in wave 3 has an attached head, 9 segments, and 2 detached heads. The segments continue to transform into heads until in wave 12, the centipede has 12 independently attacking heads. Well, that just seems like overkill to me. Think of all the hats you'd have to buy. And the hair tuts. The centipede attacks from the top of the screen and winds down toward you. When you spark any part of it with your wand, the segment becomes a powerless mushroom. The segment behind it becomes the head of a new centipede. 
When you hit every segment of a centipede, it disappears briefly, then reappears at the top of the screen in a new and fiercer attack wave. Dotting the forest floor are magic mushrooms. <laughs> These act like shields for you, but can also speed the centipede in its attack. The centipede slithers along horizontally in one direction. Harry Styles was on a repeat of Saturday Night Live last night. I don't think that's related to this. Just an observation. When it gets to a mushroom or the edge of the screen, it turns down to the next row of mushrooms and slides in the opposite direction. Each time you spark a mushroom, you destroy part of it. It takes four hits to eliminate a mushroom entirely. If you lose a wand, all partially destroyed mushrooms are magically restored. Trying to distract you from sparking the centipede, the spider jumps all over the enchanted forest, eliminating every mushroom it touches, because spiders are jerks. The closer the spider comes to you, the more points you score when you zap it. The flea starts bugging you after you shoot away most of the mushrooms near you. It drops straight down, creating mushrooms as it falls. You must hit the flea twice to make it disappear, but be warned. After the first shot, the flea drops twice as fast. Beginning with the third wave, the scorpion scurries across the middle of the enchanted forest, poisoning every mushroom it touches. At first, it moves slowly, but as the battle goes on, it moves faster and faster and appears more often. Poison mushrooms are a different color from the other mushrooms. When the centipede bumps into a poison mushroom, it goes crazy and plunges straight through the field of mushrooms toward you. If you lose a wand, all whole and partially destroyed poison mushrooms are transformed back into magic mushrooms. If the centipede, spider, or flea bites you, you become temporarily paralyzed and your wand is snatched away. Your points are added to your running score and, and the rejuvenated centipede attacks again. You must replay the, wa the wave until the centipede is totally destroyed. The enchanted forest is a challenging but dangerous region. By learning what dangers might lurk behind every mushroom, you'll become a skilled and victorious wand wielder. Strategy. Shoot away mushrooms in a straight line upward to create a corridor. When the centipede reaches this gap, it will fall straight down and can be easily picked off. Shoot centipede heads to create new heads from the body segments left behind. Since heads are worth 10 times more than body segments, you'll score lots of points. Since the flea doesn't appear until you destroy most of the mushrooms near you, set up a mushroom shield to prevent this lightning-fast pest from striking. To do that, don't shoot away mushrooms closest to your magic wand. Each creature makes a distinct sound. Learning these, learn these sounds so you'll know without looking what is attacking where it is. There are four game variations, one player, two player alternating, two players take turns, dual player competition, both players play at the same time, but score separately. I don't know, I've played two player alternating, but I don't know that I've ever played two player dual player competition. Interesting. Team play, both players play at the same time and their scores are added together. I haven't done that either. Point values range anywhere from 10 points for a body segment all the way up to 1,000 points for a scorpion. And that is how you play Centipede for the 7800 and pretty much for the 2600 too. Centipede, as a lot of you know, was one of the most commercially su successful games from the video, ga video arcade's golden age. It was ported to the 2600, 5200, 7800, and the 8-bit family. It was sold under the Atari Soft label to uh, for the Apple II, Commodore 64, ColecoVision, VIC-20, IBM PC as a booter, Intellivision, and TI-99-4A, Superior Software, published the port for the BBC Micro. Ed Logg, one of the developers, said that he did the design while Dona Bailey did about half of the programming. Bailey was one of the few female game programmers in the industry. Logg stated that the game was intended to attract women players. Okay. He believed that its design was not based by gender, unlike a fighting or sports game. Bailey said, quote, I really like pastels. I really wanted it to look different, to be visually interesting. Close quote. They succeeded. Centipede was one of the first arcade coin-operated games to have a significant female player base. Hmm. 
How to Win Video Games in 1982 estimate that half of its players and 60% of Pac-Mans were women, while 95% of Defender players were men. Hmm, I wonder why. There's probably all sorts of reasons for that. If any women are listening to this podcast, please write in and tell me why you think this might be and whether you agree that these percentages are probably accurate. And, uh, you know, whether you're more drawn to a game like Centipede or Pac-Man than, say, Defender or something like that. In 1983, Softline, readers named Centipede 9th on the magazine's top 30 list of Atari 8-bit programs by popularity. It got the award for 1984 Best Computer Action Game at the 5th Annual Archie Awards. The judge described it as, quote, packing a real roundhouse punch, end quote, and suggested that some, quote, insist that the Centipede Atari cartridge is the best home arcade edition you can buy, close quote. I wouldn't go that far, but I think it is a pretty good edition. Video and arcade games called the 5200 version delightful fun. The game was included in the Sega Genesis Arcade Classics release, including this game as 1 in 3. There was also a Game Gear game under the same title and a similar Master System compilation titled Arcade Smash Hits. It was released for Microsoft Windows as part of the Microsoft Arcade package in 93. Uh, again in 95 for Game Boy. It was in the Midway games published by Arcade's Greatest Hits, the Atari Collection 1 for the Sega Saturn, Super NES, PlayStation, on and on and on. Xbox. Basically, if you have a game system of some sort, you can probably find Centipede somewhere to play it on that system. Videogamecritic.com gave the 7800 version of Centipede an A grade, calling it maybe the most addictive shooter ever created, and the stellar 7800 version pulls out all the stops. We're talking mad fun here. Wonderful translation with beautiful graphics, sounds, and adrenaline-soaked gameplay, as with the arcade. Also has the two-player simultaneous modes. Animation is super smooth, and the mushrooms have a nice 3D appearance. The Atari 2600 trackball works okay, but a good joystick provides the best control. Centipede's gameplay is as challenging as ever, and four skill levels are included. Like Asteroids for the 7800, this may be the definitive home version of an arcade classic. Never played Asteroids on the 7800. I will look for that. Well, with that glowing recommendation, let's play this sucker. After the break, can we somehow see the central point of Centipede? Or is it a silly sign of some significance? I probably haven't been drinking. Or so it seems. One could look upon Centipede as a striking message on the importance of the balance between man and nature. We have the spiders, we have the centipedes, both of which have their place in the ecosystem. And we have man's struggle to tame the wild and to deal with these pests, nay, helpful partners on the path to life and health and safety, but mostly Centipede is a game where we get to shoot things with lasers. Oh, that spider. I hate that spider. I've been playing a little bit this morning. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. And for some reason, the spider's really psyching me out. I don't know why. I'm also about to get got, because I've been talking to you people. Oh. Oh, spider! 
gotta say, the 7800 centipede looks really nice. I have not seen the arcade centipede screen for a while. I'm gonna play that again, just because centipede is so darn fun. Uh, I haven't seen the arcade centipede for a while, but this looks really good. I did not put in the 2600 centipede to sort of do a side-by-side -side comparison, but this one does, if memory serves, seem a little more vibrant, color-wise. The play is more or less the same, of course, it's a pretty simple game. one little segment of the centipede because I was being sloppy. Don't be sloppy, children. Oh, spider. Alright. Well, that's probably enough. I could play centipede all morning, but I won't. Back to you in the studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Car by Car podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast, but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So, here's the thing about Centipede for the 7800. I agree with all those people that we talked about before the break. I really like Centipede for the 7800. I kept playing after I recorded the field report because I just didn't want to stop playing. I probably mentioned on the show before how Frogger and Donkey Kong and Popeye, to some extent, put me are nostalgic for me because they put me back at the Happy Joe's that I got pizza at as, you know, like an 8, 9, 10-year-old kid, 11-year-old kid in my hometown, because that's what we would do. Happy Joe's back then, if any of you know Happy Joe's now, it's not the same, but Happy Joe's back then was you go and you get one part of it was the restaurant where you could get really good pizza. One part of it was an ice cream parlor where you could get these little sundaes with these little plastic monkeys on them. And if my brother happened to be working, I'd get a whole bunch of plastic monkeys. There was a, a place that kids could stand to watch the pizza being made, and there was a, a sort of a, a walled-off section with video games in it. They only had like four, maybe, where there, the Happy Joe's that I went to, but that was enough. And it was almost always Donkey Kong and uh, Frogger and sometimes Popeye and then like one other that they would kind of rotate. But Centipede, for me, puts me at Showbiz Pizza, which the nearest one to me was a couple hours away in Minnesota, and Showbiz, of course, was a ripoff of Chuck E. Cheese. Nolan Bushnell was in there. He created Chuck E. Cheese, I believe. 
and then showbiz ripped them off, allegedly. Same idea, right? Huge arcade with a walled-off section where you could get pizza and an animatronic band. Chuck E. Cheese had a big mouse uh, with uh, some other animatronic characters. Showbiz had a gorilla with some other characters. There's all sorts of litigation over that. But anyway, Showbiz was the one that I went to. And, and Centipede, maybe not the game I always played, although I probably did when I was there. It's, it's the game I think of, the game that comes to mind when I think of going to Showbiz, which was one of the big things I liked to do as a kid. We'd get in the car, we'd drive a couple hours to Minnesota. A good Saturday for me was a trip to B. Dalton Bookstores. Kids go ask your parents to get some new Target novelizations of Doctor Who. Maybe a trip to Schinders. It was called Schinders. For some Doctor Who collectibles or for a long stretch, I was into collecting baseball cards, which is weird because I've never really been into baseball. And then Showbiz for dinner. That was like a perfect nerdy Saturday for me. And Centipede is a big part of that. I really like Centipede on the 2600. I really like it on 7800. Like I said in the field report, I didn't lay them side by side today, but I feel like the 7800 is even sharper than the 2600. I would sit there, I'd go back and play now. I probably will when I'm done recording this episode. Centipede is simple. You just shoot stuff, but it's fun and addictive, and uh, it's like Space Invaders. It doesn't get more simple. Space Invaders is even simpler, but it's just as addictive. Um, it, it is classic Atari gaming at its best for me, um, like Pac-Man. So yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about this game. As always, if you have thoughts about Centipede, and you probably do, send them to me. Email, social media, voicemail, uh, whatever you want to do. Because there might be someone out there that really hates this game, and I'd be curious to hear why. But I'm also curious to hear if you love this game. Or even if you're just sort of, sort of meh about it. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story is titled Sent Impeded. It's 1990. Nelson Mandela is released from prison. Margaret Thatcher resigns as UK Prime Minister. Millie Vanilli gets caught cheating, forced to give up their Grammys, they might soon be washing windshields for pennies. This would be a problem, especially if certain revolutionaries get their way. Passersby in that small Arizona town might have noticed, if they cared to look, a dingy sodium light spilling out onto the sidewalk from a basement window of the Curated Collectibles, the town's only collectible and hobby shop. In the basement-turned-war room, the shop's owner, Sonata Lovelace, stood there uneasily at one end of the ping-pong table-turned-conference table. For the third time in five minutes, she readjusted the scrunchie holding her ponytail in place. At the opposite end of the table, Fletcher flinched when the overhead light's reflection played off of Sonata's reproduction of the one ring to rule them all. He ducked under the table. Sitting between the two, Constance Midway's eye roll looked painful. There are no pennies down here, Fletcher. You know the rule. No coin shooting allowed. So just relax. Fletcher cautiously sat up. He was a lifelong target of errant penny flicking and would take no chances. Can we get on with this, please? Constance said. Yes, right. Sonata responded, adjusting her ponytail and her posture, befitting the leader of a revolution. For a revolution, it was. Those three, along with a small army, most of whom couldn't make it tonight, you know, because of work and stuff, 
Oh, and the final part of Ken Burns' Civil War miniseries was on that night, and Sonata wanted to get home to see how it would end. So they needed to hurry this along. And thus, for now, it was just Sonata, Constance, and Fletcher leading the charge. The charge to eradicate the penny from Euro's currency. Our mission, Sonata said, is to see the cent impeded. She chuckled. No one else did. You know, cent impeded, like the old Atari game. Centipede? Blank stares. Constance and Fletcher were a bit younger than Sonata, and it showed. Anyway, Sonata continued, I just got word that Congressman Colby's price rounding act has been defeated. Fletcher pumped his fist. Yes, I can afford some Air Jordans now. No, Fletcher, I said, H.R. 3761 is dead. Oh, Fletcher said. Which one is that? <sighs> the bill to eliminate the penny in cash transactions. Instead, retailers would have to round to the nearest nickel. I told you it would never pass, Constance said, yawning. <sighs> Why do we hate the penny again? Because, Constance, Sonata said, you can't buy anything for a penny anymore. It's wasted currency. When's the last time you bought a penny gumball? Everything is out of control. I hear gasoline might go over a dollar a gallon. One a penny, two a penny. Hot cross buns, Fletcher said. The other two just stared at him. That's England, Fletcher, Sonata said. They're not like the U.S. They don't have political problems. What's the big deal, Constance said. You don't like pennies? Put them in the bank. Use them as weights in stuff like draperies. I whacked my brother in the head the other day. He knows what he did. And he even made a cold compress out of some pennies. Sonata vibrated visibly. The productivity drain in the workplace from having to take time to count all those pennies is staggering. One, two, three, four, Fletcher demonstrated. He didn't have any pennies, so he used Pez candies from one of his Garfield dispensers instead. Purple ones. He looked proud of himself. Plus, Sonata said, zinc is a main component in pennies, and zinc is really lethal. It's true, Fletcher said. The last time a ton of zinc fell on my grandpa? Well, it was kind of the first time, too, I guess. Flat as a pancake. But, you know, some Tylenol, and he was good to go. Till the steamroller. They played Looney Tunes cartoons at his funeral. Don't know why. Anyway, point is, Sonata said, the penny has to go. Retailers can just round to the nearest nickel. She irritably flicked a paperclip across the table. Fletcher shuddered. <sighs> Sticking it to the customers in the process by adding cost to the products they buy, Constance said through a smirk. Congressman Colby's bill said they would have to round down, Sonata said. That bill didn't pass, Constance said. So what's the next move? Another yawn. <sighs> that, unfortunately, was where the piece of college-ruled notebook paper Sonata had taken notes on ran out. She didn't know what the next move was. Was this a crazy notion? Why did she hate the penny so much? Lincoln had been on the penny since 1909. She had no grudge against him. President Polk, though? What a douchebag. A flash of purple lightning bathed the room in a blueberry glow. Seriously, blueberries look purple. Weird. It's fourth grade all over again, Fletcher screamed, diving under the ping-pong table. The lightning dissipated. A man stood on the ping-pong table, looking down at Sonata and Constance with a self-satisfied smile. He wore a trucker hat, boot-cut jeans, and a holographic shirt, like if Obi-Wan Kenobi was a dead Jedi who came back as a shirt that said Nike on it instead of as a force ghost. Fear not the penny, the man said. Uh, was the best Sonata could come up with. I am the future, the man said, then cleared his throat. <clears> throat> Sorry, I meant I'm from the future. Like, next week? 
Fletcher called from below the ping-pong table. A little further than that, my man, the man said. The 21st century. And the penny is dead, Sonata said triumphantly. Nope, the man said. Sorry to disappoint. The penny is alive, but pretty useless. Like mail carriers, in the future, we've got something better. What do you mean, Sonata said. The man put both hands in his back pockets, then flicked them forward like a gunslinger brandishing his six shooters. In one hand, he held a debit card. Oh, yeah, that's an ATM card, Constance said. I've seen that. Creative. Good luck finding an ATM machine, though. The man shrugged. In the other hand, he had a fistful of gold coins, which he flung outward. Theatrically. Unfortunately, Fletcher had just emerged from under the table and took the brunt of the shrapnel. What are those, Sonata said. They don't look like pennies. Bitcoin, the man said proudly. Money that exists entirely on the computer. The three revolutionaries looked confused. Sonata pointed. But it's right there, she said. You just threw it. Nah, that's just for show. Bitcoin is only money on the computer. You can't carry it around with you. Oh, Sonata said. How do you get it? You have to buy it, the man said, with physical money. Then what? Well, then you use Bitcoin to buy stuff and pay people like you would normally. Just on the computer. Why? Sonata said. It's easier, the man said. I tried to download a file I needed for my graduate thesis last week on my modem, Constance said. I'm still waiting for it to finish. So, I never get to put Bitcoin in my pocket like a penny, Sonata said. Nope, the man said. Not unless you buy it back with regular money. Why couldn't I have just used regular money to begin with? Um, the man was stumped. The future is weird, Constance said. You have no idea, the man said. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Mike Mann for the Mad Mike Hughes theme. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers, which you have figured out by now. But make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts after tending to the pests in your garden naturally, and fertilize Apple Podcasts with a five-star review of this show. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, look us up on Instagram. Also, don't forget, you can call and leave a voicemail, too. I'm never going to answer the phone when you call 563-265-1978, but you can call that number and leave me a message, and I will probably play it on the show. Check out the new website, www.carnivalofleaguecreations.com, for information and links to episodes, social media, information about this podcast, my other show, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, and about books that I've written. All over there, in one place. Technology is grand, folks. Consider supporting the show financially by becoming a subscriber on the Atari Bytes Patreon page. If you do that, you can get access to episodes early, you can get bonus content that I put up there from time to time. All sorts of cool things. By becoming a Patreon subscriber, your donations help keep the lights on here in the studio. Which is important because I don't want to have to stumble around a lot. You can also pick up shirts and mugs in the AB underscore pod underscore store store on Zazzle.com. Go play some old games they've missed you stuff is over there and the store will, as I say every week, get some sort of an overhaul at some point this year. Oh, by the way, thanks to our Patreons, our patrons over there at the Patreon Project, Michael Tyler, Jose Gazeta, and Sean Courtney. They need a referee. 
because they like to fight a lot. So you should go become a subscriber on the Patreon too to help keep the peace. All right, that's about it for now. Let's talk about what we're doing next time on Atari Bytes. This is the part where I say, next time on Atari Bytes. Fight Night. The game's so nice, they rhymed it twice. Or something. Fight Night is another 7800 game, because I'm enjoying playing with the 7800, so let's keep it going. If you have thoughts about Fight Night, send them to me, and I might include them in the show. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. No.